Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. Uh, today's going to be a good Sunday, guys. I'm actually super excited about this word. I believe it's a word in season and prophetic. So I want to start first. We're in our series called The Culture Clash. Now, I want to address it because when you talk the culture class, inevitably, we, sit, we tend to also bring up politics. You know, and personally, I'm, I'm somewhat into politics. I, I care and I know a lot about it, and jokers in the front will know because they follow me on Instagram. But even I want to say this. Sometimes it can feel a little exhausting when we point it out, but I want you to be ready for this. This message, the culture will shift when the church knows who they are, when the church walks in their authority. And so we might hit a little bit on this in this series, but know that everything has to start with you. It has to start with you becoming in alignment with the Bible and what God says, and then our family, it starts with you, then it trickles to the family. The nuclear family is one of God's greatest ideas, and it is the safeguard to keep biblical foundations moving through. It's the vessel that God uses. The nuclear family is so important, and any time a society reaches a certain level of bliss and success, it's because the nuclear family was celebrated, but then you will see in every great civilization, when the nuclear family begins to be attacked and torn down and separated and devalued, that's the fall of the nation. Don't think that what's happening in our world that ooh, we're the first ones to ever have a new idea or be woke or, you know, or, or, or this. Right, right. But I'm telling you that I love that video for our conference. Don't miss our conference this year. When the world loses its way, the church has the opportunity to shine brighter than it ever could. And that message today is to encourage you that you are the church. This is our moment to shine, church. This is our moment to let God do everything he wants to do in our world, not apologize for while it seems like everything's crazy out there, your world seems to be getting larger and larger, and, and, and there seems to be this heavenly protection around you. We're not going to apologize for that because we can invite people into that, right? So that's why we, we address cultural issues. We'll address them to empower the ecclesia, the called out ones, the church. Because I want you to be thoroughly equipped to shine in this moment. Personally, professionally, emotionally, spiritually, in every area we will shine. The title of my message today is called Thoroughly Equipped. We are going to be a thoroughly equipped church. Thoroughly equipped church. So in order to be thoroughly equipped, first we have to recognize what's going on. If we don't know what's going on, we don't know what to equip ourselves with, right? What, 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 is, what is this culture war? Why, why does it seem like, every, you know, it used to seem like when we were younger, it was like it was just debating over how to implement things, but now we seem so polarized. It seems like there's two different societies in our country. We're, we're being divided by social media. We're being divided by divisive news because bad news sells, and so, and enemies uh, if you can divide people, it's easier to conquer. Fear is, is a very toxic, intoxicating inoculation. People can become addicted to fear, and the media knows this, the world knows this. Anyways, so I want to first highlight the trial we're in. 
This story right here in the Bible, I think, sums up perfectly, prophetically, exactly the moment we're in. And it's found in Matthew 27. And we're going to go to Jesus' trial. Right before the cross, Jesus' trial. So let me read this real quick. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate, pause. Pilate in this story represents authority. Who does the Bible say, who did Jesus say he gave authority to? Us. All authority on heaven has been given to me and now I give it to you, okay? So just want to hit that real quick. Pilate asked them, which of do you want me to release to you? Check this out. People miss this. Do you know Barabbas' name? Was Jesus Barabbas? Very interesting. Do you want Jesus Barabbas or Jesus Messiah? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest uh, that, that they had handed Jesus over him. This is Pilate. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife, pause for a minute, gentlemen, listen to your wife's. I'm telling you, them and the Holy Spirit, they link up, they sync up quick, and I, I honestly, like, the Holy Spirit talks to her, and then they gang up on me. It's just how it works, okay? In the midst of all the connections and all the, you know, in the, in the venting, the Holy Spirit's in there. Our job as men is to decipher, okay, where is it, <laughs> right? Where is it? But, they, but my wife has so much wisdom, and so, and so when she says something's not right, even if she's still processing it, I believe the something not right part already now. So anyways, that's the other thing. Wife, wife says something's up, you should listen. His wife said, send this, send this message. Don't have anything to do with this. She knows this is crazy. Don't have anything to do with this, that, this innocent man, for I have suffered great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Somebody say release. Release. Barabbas, they answered. Release. Right now, we sit in a place where God has given authority to the church. And we, we don't want to advocate it to the world. We can't advocate it to the Supreme Court. We can't advocate it to, you know, saying, well, I'm not really interested in that. We don't want to advocate our authority. The church must speak up and, you know, Pilate had an opportunity to say, hey, it's really obvious one of these guys is a criminal and one of these guys hasn't done anything wrong and you're just very envious of the following he's created. But he advocated responsibility. We're not going to be a church that advocates responsibility because we believe in the power of God. We believe that God is powerful and we have the answer. But here's the great trial. And here's the great trial of our time. Who's going to get released? See, the spirit of the world, you know what's interesting? So the crowd decides, to, says, starts a week ago, this same crowd, by the way, crowds are fickle. Just know that. If you're living for the approval of man, crowds are fickle. Okay? A week ago, they're calling him Messiah and putting palm trees out and praising that he's coming into the city. And then a week later, they're yelling, crucify, crucify, crucify. But it's interesting, the spirit of this world and the religious authorities of that time are, are hanging out over here on the Jesus Barabbas camp. I'm telling you that religion is not the safeguard. Religion is not the safeguard to making sure that the culture, it's the power of Jesus. Right, right. Religion and the world will team up in the end. 
because they come from the same spirit. There are two spirits. I want to address this because when we read our Bible, there's nothing, no situation you are facing today that is not addressed in the Bible, whether it be personal or it be cultural, economic, political, they are all in there. And I love how God in the Bible, he, he, he doesn't just give us a checklist. He tells stories. He uses broken people and shows their journey. He shows, you know, he picks a Samson to be a hero, but Samson had a little trouble with the ladies, you know, and we can all relate to the characters of the Bible. He uses poetry, you know, Song of Solomon's. I, I guess it's very poetic. I never really saw the correlation of my wife's hair with the goats on the mountain, but whatever it is. <laughs> Talks, addressing our love life, our sex life. There's no area that God doesn't want to infiltrate and doesn't have an answer to, and it's found in his word. So we have in this world, oh, that's what I wanted to say to this. We also see that there's a spiritual element to everything. There is a spirit world, and, and there are spirits. There's God, and then there are other spirits. Don't think for a second that those spirits just up and just vanished and don't like to still do what they were doing in your Old Testament. Right, right. The Jezebel, the Delilahs, the, the, uh, the Baals and the Mullocks, okay? Those spirits still exist. So there is a spiritual battle over the culture. There's two kingdoms that can be released on this earth. There's the kingdom of Barabbas, which is the world. Barabbas was a robber, a thief, an insurrectionist. Insurrectionist means he was a political figure. He was trying to overturn Rome. He was trying to overturn the political authority there. And there were probably a lot of Jews that were like, hey, don't like his method because he's kind of a creep, but I wouldn't mind not being over Roman Empire lead. And then you have Jesus who was actually causing a flip of kingdoms, who was actually going to free people. The real deal, both named Jesus both named Jesus. What's the point? These, these, the spiritual realm, don't think that it just disappeared. Don't think that the evil, now Jesus came and gave us authority to overcome, but the evil spirit, so you read about a ball and a Moloch. Since the beginning of civilization, there has been a pull, I'll talk about one of the cultural issues, there's been a pull towards child sacrifice. Yes. And listen, that spirit doesn't care if his name is Ball in this millennia, and Planned Parenthood in that millennia. It doesn't care what you call that spirit. Now bear with me here. Bear with me here. I'm not gonna do, the whole message is not on this topic, okay? But I do want to address this. And by the way, anything that we address that's a biblical worldview that maybe in your past you did different, know that you are met here with nothing but grace and love because every one of us violated the, word, the laws of God. Every one of us comes to Jesus not being good enough. That's the whole point. Romans says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So there's no judgment on if, you know, but, and I'll get more into that, but I just want you to know, bear with me as we go through this because we are in this trial and we want to be a church that picks Jesus Messiah. Jesus Messiah. I'm gonna go to 2 Timothy 3. Timothy was a young man tasked with changing a very, very interesting culture. 
And Paul did a great job writing leadership tips. I love First and Second Timothy, okay? If, you, if you're ever like, man, I need to up my leadership or up how to, you know, walk more, I recommend Timothy. But First Timothy or Second Timothy 3, this chapter encapsulates, I think, perfectly the moment we're in. And so if you could throw that up there on the bigger iPad, I love this new screen. All right, I'm gonna read the first five verses. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be, see if this, some of this rings true. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to their parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now check this out. Having a form of godliness. Wait a minute. Everything I just read, that doesn't sound like anything that you could call godliness, right? But it says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. Pause there. Point number one. We got to find the fake. We've got to find the fake. Okay, Jesus Barabbas. Oh, it sounds like, wait, didn't, weren't we talking about a Jesus guy? The world will, or the spirit of the world and the enemy and just deception itself will, nobody wakes up and says, you know what? We need to call this ugly thing what it is. In fact, nobody even wakes up and says, you know what? I want to do really bad things today. All the horrible things people have done, they believed in their head were good, were for a greater good. Oftentimes, it's the people who say, uh, the means uh, justify the end, right? right? But the means matter to God. The, the means how we do it matters to God, right? But we've got to learn how to flesh out the fake because the fake is always going to be wrapped in a thing that is good, right. always. Yeah. No one wants, no one's, you know, we don't use uh, negative words when we have an agenda. We wrap it in a sweet thing. The best example I can think of this in, in my just walk-in ministries. Back when I was a young adult and youth pastor, we used to play this game called Twinkie Roulette. It's a very simple game. You took about six Twinkies, you put them on a little round table. Three or four of the Twinkies, you would remove the frosting and you would put whatever you felt like putting in it. <laughs> now we've experimented with a lot of things, Tabasco, uh, sardines. We experimented a lot of things, but there's one thing. There was one thing we discovered in my years of young adult ministry that no person, even the strongest of gut people, could devour. And that was a toothpaste-filled Twinkie. Oh. It is not possible. Oh. It is not possible. We have, we have, the closest I've seen is somebody getting the last bite in their mouth, but they cannot keep it down. Okay? <laughs> it's, it's a disgusting thing. In youth ministry, that's kind of the game, okay? You get street cred by how crazy the th- activity was. So, but the same is true here is that that toothpaste can get wrapped in something that everyone else seems to be eating. Everyone, like, no one seemed to have a problem with it. But as it gets shoved down our throat, we start to realize, wait a minute, this is not producing a good feeling. I'm not feeling better about life in any way, shape, or form. The same is true with the culture war. So we can't just go off of key words. Okay, you've got to look behind the curtain. We've got to be able to identify the fake, right? Finding the fake. And here's one way you'll always know it's fake. If it denies the resurrection 
redeeming and restorative power of Jesus. If it denies, so go back to uh, Roe v. Wade. What's the main reason? Well, we don't want to destroy that girl's life. We don't want to ruin her life by forcing her to have that. Listen, you have removed all the redeeming power of God. You have, not, you have now said that God cannot show up and bless that girl and take care of that baby and bring her the right man or give that, that baby a chance in a home where she will be loved. You have removed the redeeming power of God. Church, that's important. If Jesus can't do a miracle, then we're out of alignment. There's no, all the best miracles in my life came from me making bad decisions. Honestly, if you really look at it, most of the time God's really showed up for me. If I backtrack, it's like, I probably could have avoided that if I hadn't done this or done that. But God's redeeming love shows up and my faith has grown and increased. Okay, we don't advocate the church is ready and has the power to redeem any situation. Marriage, marriage, you know, the world will tell you, well, you know, if that model's broken, just trade it in for a newer model. No, 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 no. We believe in the power of God, that he can come in and transform and redeem and heal. Now, obviously, there's a lot of minutia in that and, you know, abuse and all that. And we would, we, we take it case by case. But I'm telling you, the underarching thing is we believe that God can restore and fix. And worldviews that don't have that power, don't have that belief, are missing. That's how we identify the fake. Say, hey, let's make another mistake to fix that mistake instead of trusting the redeeming power of God to do what he said he'll do. We've got to find the fake. Jesus has the power to forgive sin. We don't want to not call sin sin. We just know that he can forgive it and wash us clean. Jesus has the power to redeem mistakes. He doesn't erase them. He redeems them. Does that make sense? I mean, he erases the judgment and you're washed clean and he remembers them no more. But, but some of the greatest miracles have come out of maybe me staying stupid, but his redeeming. Yes. There's no point on having redeeming if there's nothing to redeem. Wow. Has the power to transform people's hearts. Has the power to heal. Has the power to provide. So good. He has power. And we want to lean into that power. Point number two, we got to catch the creep. Catch the creep as a church. And let's go to the next verse real quick. This is at verse six. For of this sort, talking about all that stuff we just talked about, are those who creep into the household. Listen, we get off track. We get to the place where we are not choosing Jesus Messiah, but a false counterfeit having the form of godliness, but lacking the power. We get off track slow and steady. One of the greatest books, I, uh, one of my favorite authors is C.S. Lewis, and he writes a book called The Screwtape Letters. And it's a, it's a reverse psychology book. It's a demon training another demon. And he's, in one of the, uh, the conversations, he says, listen, calm down in your zeal. Don't make him a murderer if cards will do the trick, if cards will keep him away from Jesus, if gambling. The point is this, there's a slow creep There's a slow creep in our life. That's why we need the Bible and community. The Bible and community. Let me tell you how you stop the creep. You have people around you in your world who know you and will notice if there's a tweak, right? Who you do life with is very important. If you're married and all your friends are single, that's not a good recipe. It doesn't mean you can't have some single friends, not at all. But if you're not getting people around you that are going in the same direction and, and, and want 
God in their world, the creep gets really easy in isolation. Nobody ever wakes up one day and says, you know what I really want to do? I'm thinking I should train like my life, train like my marriage, uh, make my kid, you know, heartbreak my kids. I, sh- I should just, no, 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 it's a gradual creep. Wow. It's a gradual creep. And the Bible says that how we're healed is confess to one another so you're healed. It's in community. Right. It's in, there is no lone wolf Christian. We need to do life in the word and with other people. Yeah. Right? So when, I, you know, when I've got great, I'm insulated. Some people are so afraid, like, oh, I don't want to miss God's plan for my life. If you have people in your world, you'll get there. I'm insulated, baby. The Bible might be, you know, might say that the road is narrow, but man, I got big bumpers because I've got Pastor Andy and I've got Rich Bogle and I've got Vince Craig. I got people in my world that are going to talk to me. I got Ben Thomas in my world, man. He'll call me out, leading DNA like a boss. And so they'll be like, hey, as you know, hey, you don't seem like yourself today. I had Pastor Andy do that to me the other day. I got on a call and I was a little bit fired up and he, he, he knows me well enough. He's like, hey, you were pretty fired up today, huh? I was like, yeah, you're right. And he, it's the community. That's why we do connect groups. That's why we have DNA. Do you know DNA is not to get you on a team. It's to get to know who you are in and help you walk into who you are in Christ. Our DNA class is amazing. All, some of our best leaders in our church are teaching in there, but they're also sitting at the table with you, hanging out with you, getting to know you. We want you to be known, be seen, be wanted, and be loved. All right? And we don't do it all weird either. We're not going to make you sing Kumbaya or anything. Like, but we got to watch the creep. People in our world will help keep the creep alive. Who we do life with is important. I learned this, actually, with Pastor Andy. Who, you know, who are you laying creep around in your world? tell you a little story about Andy. It's actually one of my reasons why he's one of my best friends is he's a prankster at, Nate, at heart. So many years ago, uh, we used to live right next door to some really good friends. And we were all doing ministry together. And uh, yeah, Mike and Rachel Finn and, and they, everyone was over there. And I had had, I can't remember, but I had just like crazy long week or whatever. So I think I went home early and I just went to bed. Well, <laughs> Andy and the guys had this really good idea to creep into my house, creep into my room, light candles, and do some ancient, like, chair, like, surrounding my bed. And at that moment, I knew that the Illuminati was here to kill me for my posting. I knew it. The globalists have found me. This is some kind of ritual. I am finished. Until I heard... Andy couldn't keep it together, the crackling laugh of Andy Pugh, and then I realized. But he, he showed me the video. He still has the video. You can get it from him. And you hear me say, you hear me say once I finally realize I'm not going to die, all I say is, this is the scariest moment of my life. <laughs> what's the point? You got to watch the creep, man. You got to watch what's getting loose in your mind, what's getting loose in your heart, what's getting loose in your house. Little unforgiveness here, little bit of bitterness there, a little bit of, you know, it's just, it's just salt, a little bit. Let's watch the creep. We won't recognize the fake and we'll end up in the wrong camp if we're not watching the creep. Okay, number three. The Bible is the base. The Bible is the base. It is our firm foundation. We, we, we will not be deceived. The day we decide 
that we don't change our theology based off our experience. We elevate our experience to meet what this says. The day you decide that as a Christian, and despite maybe a discouragement, despite, oh, I prayed one time and it didn't work, keep push, pray till something happens. And the day you decide that this gets to be the ultimate authority, go back to 2 Timothy, and I'm going to jump down to the bottom. 2 Timothy 3, 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the men, that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is our thorough equip. How do we make sure we don't get deceived? Deceived by the words that we care about. Deceived by words like, and they're not bad words, they're great words, but you have to have Jesus in the middle of them. Deceived by words like equity, fairness, rights, health care. Jesus has to be at the center. Because let me tell you about these two camps. Barabbas was, yes, a political figure, but he was also known to be a robber, a thief. The Bible says in John 10 that Jesus came to give life and life abundantly, but the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We do not want to be deceived by pretty words that we aspire to as a Christian, but they've took the Christ out of it. Don't need a Twinkie filled with toothpaste. (laughs) Toothpaste has its place and Twinkies have their place. But you're out of alignment with that situation. The Bible is the base. We want to be well-equipped. This is really important too. As we address the culture war as a church, we must also remember that God sits on the truth of mercy and truth. Meaning I don't want our church to come out of here and go get picket signs and start yelling at people on the corner, right? Yelling at people that wear different religious garments, identifying the religion they do. We're not, we do this with love and intentionality. We're a church alive that has the power of God. And so what happens is people see the life on us. That's why we're always talking about let God do his healing. Let God touch your finances so that you can be a light in the darkness in this world. If I hear one more person tell me that Salt Lake City is hard soil for Jesus to move, I'm going to lose my mind. It is not. It is not. The contrast shines bright. The contrast shines so bright. Go off on this right now. <laughs> We've got to release. Who are we going to release? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus Messiah? Bible says in Matthew 18, 18, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose or release on earth is loosed or released in heaven. We have the, the access to release heaven on this earth. First, we've got to allow God to release heaven on us. Take Jesus Messiah and take full advantage of the messianess that we've been given. 
the grace, the love, the power, the authority. And it will begin and let it trickle to our family. Let it trickle into our marriages. Let it trickle into our children. Let it trickle into our finances. And then let it begin to trickle as you have connect groups at your house and parties at your house with church people. And the neighbors are like, why is it so exciting over there? Why is there so much laughter? We just had a birthday party for my wife. And, and there were six bays at Top Golf where everyone was laughing and joyful and having fun. I love looking back at the waiters and waitresses because they're like, I know how many drinks I serve these people. They're not tipsy. Why are they so happy? Why are they so happy? They're filled with life. If I could tell you how many people have come to Awaken Church because a group of Awaken people went to a public place and just did what Awaken does, just had life, just had love. But we don't numb down the truth. Loving somebody is not, or is not love to, to, when somebody comes to you and they have sin in their life or they are doing things that aren't God's intended way to do it, to lower the bar so they don't feel bad. We can love people, and the secret church is we do not judge. Go back to the creep. Nobody, I've heard some wild things as a pastor. People have found themselves in places they never intended to go, but by the grace of God, I probably would have went worse. And so we do not be, we are not judgmental. Never judgmental. If someone comes to you, you know, your neighbor comes to you and says, hey, I noticed that you, you and your spouse seem to have it good and man, I'm, I'm, I screwed up. It's happened. If they sense any judgment, they'll go, oh, you're no better. Wow. I don't want to be, I, I, I came for help because I ate the Twinkie with toothpaste and it's not working. Yeah. I want the real thing. I want, I'm, on my, I'm on my third marriage and I keep thinking I'll be happy, but it's not, and if we lie to them and say, nah, man, you're good, you're fine. Wow. And we say, no, man, I was, I've been there. I've been there. But honestly, maybe the problem's not your spouse. Maybe it's you. Wow. And if you come to church, you can start getting fixed up like me because I was really jacked up too. That's such a loving thing to say, right? right. right? We're a loving church. Who are we going to release? Who are we going to release? Why don't you stand to your feet? Bible says that the gospel is not a matter of words, but of power. Power. How do we know the counterfeit? It removes the power of God. And it puts the burden and responsibility of performance on people. First thing I want to do, what we're going to do is I'm going to have the band uh, come on up here. We're going to go back into that second song and we're going to just release I want to release and pray for the power of God to show up in your world because the world is hungry to see that. They would need to see the power of God in your world. And here's my, my challenge to you, Christian. Share it. Share it. If God gives you a bigger house, open it up for people. God gives you a bigger car, drive more people to church. God gives you a better marriage, have dinner with other couples. Share it. Share the power of God. But, but we cannot access the power of God without the atonement of Jesus. Jesus, Bible says that all have sinned and fall short on the, of the glory of God. We're all on equal playing field here. None of us got it right on our own. None of us will get it right on our own. But Jesus came to die and pay the price for our sin and our mistakes so that you can make an exchange. You get 
his covering and he took yours. So now we can come boldly to God, believing for his power because we recognize we're not getting what we deserve, we're getting what he deserved. That's the transaction and it's scandalous, it's audacious, it's offensive and it's true. We work from love, not for love, once we get Jesus in our heart. And if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you might've heard of him, you might've been trying to apply some of his principles, but you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior, meaning you believe in your heart that he died for your sin and that he is God and that you can be completely forgiven because of that. That's the starting point. That's the starting line. You can't do that without that. Can't do this powerful life without choosing Jesus Messiah first, the Savior. So I'm gonna have everyone bow their head and close their eyes. If you're in this house and you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, or maybe you kind of think you did, but you're just feeling very like, oh man, I, I see it different now. And I really just wanna make sure, I don't want you leaving here with a question mark. So if that's you, I wanna include you in a prayer. I'm gonna lead everyone in prayer. We're all gonna say it out loud. But, but for you to say, this is for you and God right now. If you wanna say, include me in that prayer. It's today's the day. Would you just do me something real quick and raise your hand when I count to three? One, two, three. Who am I praying for? Once I've seen your hand, you can put it down. Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, I see that hand. I'm just gonna wait one more second. I feel like somebody might be wrestling. You're like, ah, oh, man, I don't know. Yeah, thank you, I see that hand. I feel like there's still one more person. You're kinda just, oh, man. You're like saying like, okay, if he says it one more time, then you're, you're talking to me, God. Awesome. Awesome, okay. You guys can look up at me. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. I'm gonna have the whole church repeat it. If you raised your hand, can we give a hand for those people that raised their hand, by the way? The power of Jesus is going to wash you clean, forgive you your sins, and then you have access to that the rest of your life. And now you start a walking out with him, of seeing who he made you to be. Right over here, we have a book and a gift for you. We have the Bible, which I preached out today. We highly recommend you read it. And also a book called Following Jesus, which just helps outline next steps. And our team would like to pray with you. So uh, after you're done, those three or four people that raise your hand, just come over here real quick. If you're like, oh, I already have a Bible, don't worry, we'll still give it to you. Sell it on eBay, make some money, whatever you want to do, or give it to a friend. But come over here and talk with us real quick. But church, let's pray this out loud together. Dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. Let's, we could do better. We're the 11 a.m. We're, we're fired up, right? Dear Jesus. Thank you that this morning you have chosen me. I accept your free gift of salvation that you gave me on that cross. And now I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Wash me clean. Fill me with resurrection power. I confess my sins and believe that you've forgiven me. And now I walk out this freedom you've given me. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com. 
or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.